Hi, welcome to the Coder Corgi podcast. Today's guest, we have Jason Oliver, who is an artist and music producer who blends various genres from 60s psychedelic rock, 70s disco, 80s synthpop, and 90s R&B to contemporary electronic music. He is also a videographer, investigative journalist, and animal rights activist whose work has been featured in the New York Times, Huffington Post, and other major news publications, with groundbreaking reporting on California's organic, cage-free, and free-range factory farming industry. Currently, he works as a part-time dog trainer, ballroom dance instructor, as well as car mechanic. Wow, that's quite a fascinating life trajectory, Jason. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So... Uh, yeah, this is quite a life. Um, what do you, how do you think about your life trajectory? Well, I didn't anticipate becoming an animal rights activist um, because, you know, when I grew up, I was, I think I had more rose-colored glasses on, you know, about the world. And, you know, initially I thought the world was, you know, honestly a better place. I thought we treated animals better than, you know, we do. And then I, you know, when I was as I was getting older, um, you know, I, I visited like, uh, small farms and I saw, you know, backyard, um, chickens that were treated really well, you know, and I just kind of assumed that that was the case. And sadly, it's not the case. Sadly, um, the majority of, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the animal, uh, consumption comes from these farms, which are like factory farms, you know, um, where their animals are just languishing in, in really unimaginable, um, cruelty and it's pretty horrifying you know I think most of us when they see this footage from like you know an extreme maybe they somebody they, they might consider extreme like a PETA activist who's shouts meat is murder like Morrissey you know the, the famous artist um, who, who wrote a wrote a song in, in one of his albums uh, with the Smiths I think it was called meat is murder um, and he talked about the cows crying and, uh, you know out for their um, you know babies as their babies were taken away from them you know because uh, their babies were sold into the veal industry, you know, which is where they raise a baby, take a baby calf and lock them in the shed for, you know, five, six weeks and don't let them, uh, you know, experience sunlight because they want the, their flesh to taste a certain way. They like the way their flesh tastes when there's, they, their flesh is not exposed to sunlight, um, among other things, you know. And uh, so I, uh, you know, when I first moved to California, my original from Minneapolis, Minnesota, I... Um, was more focused on music, you know, and, and, uh, and focused on um, just, you know, learning more about uh, car mechanics and continuing to teach ballroom dance um, as I um, have been in, in Minnesota. And um, then when I made, I made some friends out here, uh, and, um, particularly a very influential friend, two very influential friends, uh, Wayne Shung and Priya Sahani, uh, co-founders of the animal rights organization, Direct Action Everywhere, um, that really changed my life. And we started doing at midnight, you know, uh, investigations into, um, you know, factory farming in California. And so we'd drive out, you know, in the middle of the night and go f photograph and film and, you know, uh, and, and take animals out um, who we believed needed veterinary care immediately to survive um, because they were on the verge of death. And... Um, yeah, it was really life-changing just to, you know, be able to go inside these facilities and, and see with my own eyes, you know, uh, and see that these uh, corporations were engaged in consumer fraud. They were deceiving the public, telling them that, you know, these products were certified humane by this uh, organization, the Humane, uh, it's like the, it's like a humane um, 
farming uh, council, uh, and then there's also an independent body that the that they claim you know for like Whole Foods called the Global Animal Partnership, the GAP uh, certification, which claims that these animals are being treated with compassion. You know, they they claim they're being able to go out in the sunlight and go frolic, you know, in the grass, just like when we take our dogs out, um, you know, or we go, you know, go out with our friends and we, you know, want to experience the joys of just being out in the park, right? Yeah. Like Dolores Park, right? Mm. Who hasn't, you know, or Golden Gate Park. I love those parks, right? Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was very um, eye-opening and life-changing to, to experience that. I'm very, great grateful for, you know, Wayne and, and Priya's friendship and, uh, yeah, I'm just grateful, you know, to to be able to contribute to help reduce suffering and, and make the world a better place. Yeah, mm, that's great. Better, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Wow, that's uh, quite a journey. I imagine it must have been like so much frustration behind like seeing this and yeah, how do you it was yeah. re- respond to the frustration. Well, you know, I just I try to just cope the best I can. You know, I luckily I've got you know I I've always loved animals and I would uh, go visit farm sanctuaries where I could visit the animals we rescued, you know, specifically we rescued two hens. One name was Emma. Uh, We named another hen Ella. Um, We named and we've rescued, you know, many, many animals um, as well. And, um, you know, gave them all names because we just, you know, wanted to uh, make them feel like a part of our family. And we, so we would visit them, we'd feed them, we'd, you know, pet them and just, you know, uh, observe them being able to really enjoy their lives. You know, at these farm sanctuaries, they're able to go in the grass and go in the Mm. dirt and just play with their friends, you know, play with other animals, have space to roam around, space to be free if, you know, if they're feeling bullied at all, you know, because unfortunately they're not, they're they're not, uh, they don't have that in these other facilities. They're crammed, uh, the the air is filthy, the, the, the ground is filthy, there's, you know, poop and stuff all over the place and... Um, so they may not be in cages, but they're in a huge barn, commercial barn, and so they just uh, they even go they even go a bit insane. Uh, they start cannibalizing each other, fighting with each other, as you know humans do in in like in prison, you know, or or in a really Stanford confined. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, Stanford. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because um, uh, yeah, Wayne's really into that experiment and talks about that in in some of the, our. Um, uh, presentations that we give to the public you know uh, he's he's done presentations at uh church in uh, a unitarian church in san francisco and we've done presentations um i, I gave a presentation at uh, veg fest in um uh, st louis um, and we've done other you know just outreaches to the public to inform people because that's you know like getting back to what you're saying about how frustrating it is you know or, or just the challenges of going through that is that we see this, but you know, most people don't want to break the law and, and go trespass under the cover right. of night and go into these facilities, you know, because there is that risk there, of, you yeah. know, of being considered a lawbreaker. Even if it right. this is only a misdemeanor, right. it still is, you know, something I think that Stick most of us house. are. Yeah. yeah, you know, we're we're not raised to to do this, and right. so it takes a bit of uh, of training and and just yeah, having you know people who have experience. I think for most of us to to attempt something like that, mm. um, and. And thankfully, you know, I had, yeah, people around me who could help, you know, help me out and, you know, help, we had people to talk to, too, who understood, you know, hey, so I think, um, you know, it's really tough if you're just, you're, you know, by yourself. That's what I found out. Summarizing on a high level, it's like you found like a cause you really champion and then you, uh, like, take these animals and like kind of give them the life that they they deserve, like being able to be in in the grass and you like 
do they, you recognize it's like through mentorship having these like yeah. pe- people who could kind of empower you to do these things and sh- show you how to do these things yeah uh, and like like help be able like to communicate like this community where you can give the animals the space yeah yeah exactly exactly just like that you know having having that that community support is really key you know in whatever you do because you know we all have our own unique perspective on the world and um when we have experiences like that you know wherever they're at you know like say if you're working a specific job i would imagine you'd need somebody else who's working that type of job to be able to empathize with the challenges of that work as well because i know yeah there's a lot of challenges within just certain types of work too and i've experienced that you know with teaching like ballroom dance for example i broke uh an ankle and it's i have a lot of pain in my ankle sadly i'm looking at stem cells therapy right now which is like wow you know that's like a life changer that we have this incredible technology um now which we didn't have you know like even 10 years ago um and it's something that like when you use your body you know like physical labor jobs can really you know um take a toll on you um Whereas, you know, there's challenges with other jobs, like, you know, mental labor, the anxiety of having to meet deadlines, you know, uh, in a certain job, high stress corporate environment, you know, I can't, I haven't really related to that, been able to relate to that so much because I've been mainly focused on, you know, more, you know, um, more uh, independent work. But, you know, there's certainly, for a CEO, I imagine, right, there's, everybody has challenges in life. so it's just important to have people around you who can empathize and maybe share those challenges, you know, mm. so you can feel like you're really understood at a deep level. But, uh, you know, certainly, yeah, just, you know, being around places like this, the center of SF, you know, just really, um, you know, empathetic and uh, friendly, you know, and just and just uh, outgoing people is really helpful, too, you know. Oh. So I'm really, you know, grateful for, um, you know, the space here and uh, just the, the um, open app. That you know, historically, um, very like open atmosphere of like the Bay Area. You know, of course, like the LGBTQ rights movement. You know, and um, you know, free speech movement. You know, just... uh, it's very inspiring to have all these disparate perspectives. Like, for example, you you're like into so many things, like ballroom dancing, like stem cell therapy for for your ankle. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Animal, like investigative journalism, uh, car mechanic, right? <laughs> yeah. Music. <laughs> we, we didn't even touch on like the, the music, the music and the artistry yet. Yeah. <laughs> be able to have like s- such a wide range of like interests and expressions. Yeah, yeah. The music. I mean, I guess it just comes from like my parents. You know, growing up in a musical family, and um, music was always a form of way of expressing myself, um, and a way of celebrating life you know a lot of I remember so many celebrations involved music and dancing in my family and we always had a great time Uh, really lucky thanks you know thanks to my dad uh, my father Serge Oliver Sergio and uh, my mother Kristen Oliver you know I really give thanks to them because they raised me through a tremendous amount of adversity um, especially with um, just uh, you know how prevalent um, you know, it was back in the you know eighties, nineties. You know, uh, for example, like we had a lot, we've had a lot of things we had to overcome, like leaded gasoline, right? That didn't even get passed mm. till like nineteen ninety one. Wow. Um, you know, now we have like this huge. We had you know a tremendous amount of environmentalism going mm. into fighting against uh, these dangerous you know 
pesticides. You know, now everybody's talking about Monsanto, and back mm-hmm. then you had uh, people bringing light to the pesticides that were killing birds in like uh, Rachel Carson's book right. Silent Spring and uh, DEET or DDT, right? Yeah. The Agent Orange stuff, you know, and so they grew up with all that, you know, fighting against. They were, you know, big in anti-war protesters, you know. So coming coming from a family of anti-war protesters, um, you know, my dad uh, has family too who, you know, that were were fighting with Martin Luther King and, and doing civil rights organizing. So just uh, coming through all that, all those adver- all that adversity also kind of like informed them and to just continue on, you know, continue fighting for for freedom and and uh, for change, you know, and and so you know now I'm kind of just. I've gotten, then I'm grateful to be kind of, you know, uh, tackling animal rights, you know, because now we're, we've accomplished so much. Now we're looking at how we treat, you know, our, our non-human uh, friends, you know, our, our members of, the, of, our, of our communities, you know, and uh, just seeing how we can change life for them too, you know, as we've uh, changed life for ourselves, you know. So it's, uh, it's yeah, it's like um, very much like a holistic um, I think, and just the way that my parents looked at the world, you know, my parents, so it was very, I was very lucky to, to have them, you know, as parents. Um, oh, it's, it's quite yeah. a heritage of music, of environmental activism. Yeah. And, and like activism for humans, now activism for animals. And yeah. your music just like combines music from the 60s to today, it's like reflecting. Yeah. That kind of like channeling of experience and, and activism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, in the '60s, there's so much protest music. You know, you had uh, Machine Gun. You know, Jimi Hendrix uh, writing about like the Vietnam War, and and you had, of course, you know, Bob Dylan is well known, and uh, you know, Joan Baez. I love, you know, uh, also love, you know, just acoustic music, which is why I came to the open mic as well. So I love, you know, I, I grew up with, uh, you know, um, artists like that. You know, Joan Baez. My, my mom loves Joey Mitchell too. You know. And, um, yeah, just singer songwriter acts too. Wow. Um, awesome. Uh, in addition to you know just yeah the other all the other music and so it's you know it's it's uh yeah it was it was really um, an amazing time to I think the '60s it was a really amazing time to be alive '70s of course too you know but of course it's amazing to be alive today you know too you can argue oh, absolutely there's yeah, so many you know incredible things we're accomplishing today such an opportunity like. We have climate change, yeah. right? A catastrophic oh. climate climate change, oh, I say, but going on. but then we have just incredible developments yeah. in in you know technology. We have mm-hmm. smartphones that are so tiny yet so powerful and capable of doing so many things. With in terms of like taking video photography, right? You have the George Floyd situation televised around the world, where you just didn't have that same sort of like brought to know, light. Yeah, and like public awareness. So much, yeah, stuff like that. You know, oh, we got five minutes. Just that's it. Okay. So, you know, just the power of technology uh, at our fingertips today, you know, is, is uh, and made it easier than ever for people to tell their story. And it's, it's great that you're tapping into that with these, you know, podcasts oh, as well. Yeah, it is so incredibly easy to, I can have this on my Substack in two minutes. Yeah, that's amazing, you know. So, yeah, um, wow. yeah well, I guess to, you know, to wrap it up or, you know, and you have a, other questions too, but... Um, yeah, I think just, you know, having that, my parents, again, you know, in the community to draw from and just allowed me to really pursue different interests as well. And then now um, I've gotten into um, more car mechanic stuff recently just because I have friends who are into that. And, and 
I, I think, you know, it's incredible what we're doing with cars, especially electric car technology and something I thought we should be getting into much sooner. Um, but of course, you know, there's a whole history to that in terms of like how we had trolleys in San Francisco, for example, but then they got uh, the gas companies bought, you know, bought them out and kind of made, uh, made it not as um, practical in certain ways. You know, you're really focused on focusing, targeting the consumer to sell, you know, these cars, which unfortunately is creating climate change problems. And now we have this return to electric, whereas the, old, the first, elect, the first uh, automotives, some of the first, auto, some of the first automotives, right, back in like the early 1900s were apparently electric. Um, but they didn't oh, have a far, right. like, very far range, right? And, so, mm, and they got so, displaced by the gasoline. Yeah, and then you had, you know, uh, the whole, like, yeah, busing and the trains, right? You had the locomotives uh, being displaced, too, by more just, like, trucks and stuff. And just, you know, people just really got hooked on the convenience of it, of having, you know, your own personal vehicle right outside your house. You didn't right. have to, like, necessarily walk to the bus station, which also can can lead to people not getting as much exercise and that can also lead to adverse health problems too potentially you know where people say like we're not getting enough exercise and as a as a society you know the average american not getting enough exercise mm -hmm. but yeah. yeah and so you became a car uh, car mechanic yeah so just like seeing how um you know how like new technology we're able to uh like there was a, initially back in the 90s too a lot of talk about hydrogen's uh, fuel cell technology oh. using hydrogen uh, gas to, to power cars is another alternative form of energy because oh, you can store it you know you can store hydrogen gas mm. uh, which is a problem with you know renewable energies is how do you store the sunlight when you don't have sunlight like we have all these rainy days right now what do we do you know because you're not getting you're not being able to power well you yeah turn that energy and you know they're using it to turn into batteries, mm -hmm. right? But you can also, you know, turn that energy into, say, uh, create a bunch of hydrogen gas and then store that hydrogen gas in, in you know, in gas tanks. Ah, and how do you, like, hope to, like, affect change by being a, a car mechanic? Um, well, just uh, trying to, you know, really teach people the importance of learning about the technology because wow. fundamentally I think car mechanics is just a it's a way to be to apply engineering and I'm very much interested in mechanical engineering as well as just you know electrical engineering and just how they combine you know you have with the electric cars you have the com combination of, of all these innovations of it of learning about mechanical engineering you know physics you know and then you have electrical engineering too electromagnetism you know um, and that allows cars to operate in just these ways that are just unprecedented, right? Where we have so, automotive automation. So, so through a car mechanic, you can both like through your job, learn about these technologies as well as through interfacing with player clients. Yeah. And, and applying. Oh, that's so that's powerful. one, yeah, you know, that's really brought me into that, that world, that realm is, is learning more and more, more and more about car mechanics work uh, and how I can, you know, interface my uh, interdisciplinary, you know, focus in life. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I'm really excited right now to just uh, be focusing on all these different, you know, different uh, um, passions in, in my life. You know, wow. it's, it can be overwhelming at times. You know, I'm, I sometimes I do uh, wish I, I, you know, some people are, have a singular focus and I can see the simplicity of that mm -hmm. and the, what's nice about that. Um, and it can 
but at the same time, I'm really grateful that I have multiple different, you know, I'm grateful for what I was given and what I've, what I have at my, at my fingertips, you know, we all have to have our own. To pick one focus at yeah. a time, essentially, like, yeah, and just add on focuses to your repertoire. Right, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's been that kind of journey in life where it's just been focusing obsessively almost in a point where I would, you know, be getting four hours of sleep, you know, and just, right, and we're sometimes staying up all night, you know, just obsessively focusing on my path, what I, whatever I was passionate about, music and musical engineering, you know, and um, to dog training, you know, and especially this guy who's a rescue, he was actually rescued from a lab, um, Birdie the Beagle, and sadly they test on beagles and all, all throughout the U.S. still. So we're working to, my friends and I are working to raise awareness, educate the public about how these laws haven't been changed since the early 1900s, before when had the right to vote. So they're incredibly back, you know, backwards, incredibly just like, you know, uh, awful, cruel, you know, that, that animals are still subjected to this, to these situations. But thankfully, yeah, they, they make it required. So there's laws that make it required for corporations to test on, to on animals and specifically they, they test, test on, on humans. Yeah, in medical settings. Well, we don't need that. Now we have the incredible, you know, they didn't have computers back then. You know, now we have computers, computational power allows us to make models. We can have medical models. We can do all this testing online. So there's absolutely no need to, to test on, uh, you know, these guys anymore. And we know that majority of the time too, like two thirds of the time, the evidence is, 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 does not transfer, it does not translate to human trials. There are, animals are, are, have a distinct uh, physiology and anatomy that's different from, you know, are, are from different from us. And so, you know, that's why we have to always, they always have to do human trials anyway. And so we're just eliminating this, un, this ac- unnecessary, you know, cruel practice that's, mm. that's in the modern medical times is not needed. So, oh, that, that's very interesting. Yeah. It's so wonderful seeing you passionate about so many subjects. We've touched upon your like your animal activism, your the, the heritage of your activism in the family, as well as the music and uh, like your current interests. It's just really cool. Thank you so much for being yeah, absolutely. on the show, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm so excited for you know uh, you know this podcast, and, I, and I'm really excited to uh, to just you know continue to to uh connect you know and i look forward to just listening to to some of your podcasts as well so um wonderful well i guess we i guess we we might be telling us to 